Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Monster Dear Monster, a podcast where we explore monsters from their humble folkloric beginnings to uh, modern incarnations in literature, film, television, maybe music one day if we find the right thing. <laughs> Uh, and as sometimes, never going to use always, I am joined by the entire cast, Dave. I'm here. No, no yeah. Dave. Uh, 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 no uh, Dave. And, 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 and Cameron. And, and, Hi. and Cameron. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm back. I fixed my computer. <laughs> I am patching in through a hotspot, though, because our internet is kind of jacked today. So there's always something. <laughs> and uh today we have a, a a very very special episode of monster mm. dear monster uh that we are referring to and by we i mean the royal we as in me because <laughs> i'm the one that came up with this idea <laughs> uh, uh of the chimera cast chimera cast chimera cast chimera cast mm, spooky uh <laughs> where we will uh the three of us will be talking briefly about three different films that we watched um and it, i do believe that these were films that we all watched in a vacuum uh yep. from one another and we will mm -hmm. be discussing them uh, and they will not be specific to any kind of uh supernatural demonic extraterrestrial angelic creature they are all random and unique and hopefully uh you dear audience will enjoy this episode uh fellas how you doing mm. today we're here in spirit <laughs> I, i'm so i'm so tired i don't know wow wow that sucks. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. I just came back from a week off, so sorry, sorry to hear you're having a rough time over there, Dave. Yeah, it's um, it was like two weeks of quarantine extra. Yeah. So, but um, nobody any longer has the Rona, so we're okay for oh, now. Oh, that's good. Well, Hooray. That is great news to hear i yes i am this house it is, is impossible clean. for me it is impossible <laughs> for me to sound genuine when i'm doing my radio voice i always sound slightly sarcastic no it due to due to my slow somewhat uh uh mm. condescending <laughs> delivery of speech uh, but no, that's really good news. I'm glad to, I am actually glad to hear it. Yeah. Um, yes. Nobody's gladder than me. Uh, <laughs> I will say. Mm. Mm, uh, I'll bet. Yes. Uh, and I suppose before we dive into our three films, we should all announce what three films we will be covering today. Mm. Cameron. What did you watch? I watched Train of the Dead, which is a 2007 Thai film about a train full of ghosts. <laughs> Dave, what did you watch? 
I watched Tigers Are Not Afraid, a 2017 film. There's also some ghosts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a war. And <laughs> all right, I guess I will be the outlier because there are no ghosts uh, associated <laughs> with uh, with the film that I watched uh, for today's episode, which is uh, the Vast of Night, a 2019 American science fiction mystery Ooh. film directed by Andrew Patterson. Um, so we will be due to the high volume of media content that we have to deliver to your ear holes today, audience. <laughs> uh, we will be skipping the legendary Slavic creature of the week and diving straight into uh, the films watched. And I am going to nominate Cameron to be our first. <laughs> uh, Hopefully, uh, yes. Dave can uh, uh, set up the uh, cold drip, uh, cold press uh, coffee drip <laughs> IV that I'm sure he has uh, by his side, and mm. that will uh, infuse him with vigor while Cameron. Yes, <laughs> strength and power. While I recount this this terrible, terrible train movie. Um, <laughs> I'm slightly biased because I watched this for the show earlier today, and then. Just just uh, about an hour or so ago, I finished watching Snowpiercer with my partner. So I've watched two train movies today. One was vastly superior to the other, and unfortunately we're not covering the good one because it has no monsters in it in Snowpiercer, unfortunately. Um, um, I, um, I will disagree because uh, <laughs> did you see the makeup on Tilda Swinton in Snowpiercer? I mean, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. I'll give you that one. <laughs> Tilda Swinton was a, definitely a monster of some form in Snowpiercer, but the only one. So <laughs> I don't know. There's a little... climate, um, society, train, Harris, train economics. Ed Harris is <laughs> mm. yeah. the greatest monster yeah. of all. <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, but yes, no, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go with, we'll go with the, with the, uh, the actual monster movie for this one. Um, <clears throat> so yes, this is a 2007 film, Train of the Dead. It is a Thai, uh, I would say sort of campy horror film, honestly. Um, well, that may, that may more be due to quality than original intent. Um, it's directed by Sukum Metawanich. I'm going to do my best with names. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Your film was fine. I just can't pronounce people's names. Um, uh, yeah, so um, the gist of this film is five people commit a mascot robbery at a kindergarten, and because of this, they end up on a train filled with ghosts bound for the afterlife. That's about that's about the summation of that. Um, <laughs> so um, we start off pretty strong. Honestly, there's a good sort of solid five-minute dream horror sequence in the opening where um one of the characters what's his name muad uh is being stalked by the ghost of an old lady this hag ghost uh through a train yard uh and the first five minutes are completely dialogueless it's just cuts between you know various horror ankles some spooky nonsense going on all that kind of stuff get a good fear if this character is very clearly paranoid about and afraid of ghosts 
Um, and that sort of begins the introduction. And then after this little sequence, he wakes up screaming a couple of times, shakes his, uh, shakes his roommate awake, who immediately yells at him to shut the hell up and let him go back to sleep. Natural. Uh, and we get to uh, the first sign that this film is going to be a little difficult to watch because the next scene is very disjointed because we jump straight into like a motocross dirt biking promotional video kind of thing with the full the full video graphics as the guys leap off a thing with like their name and their company and everything mm, um and we filler. yeah yeah Shoot. it feels like filler <laughs> it, it, it th this that that is that it sounds like prime shoot the rodeo cameron are you familiar mm. with the term shoot the rodeo i'm not please enlighten me uh shoot the rodeo is a i believe i think i might have gotten the term from red letter media it is shorthand for uh a cheap film production that needs to pad out the running time so you shoot mm. a rodeo or ah. a fair or in, mm. uh, any public event where there are clearly people who are not paid actors <laughs> being filmed <laughs> and shown on screen while yeah. you pad out your movie with five, 10, 15 extra minutes. That sounds, that sounds about right. I think it's, I think it's definitely on the shorter end of that. Um, with this, the film comes out to about an hour 27 ish. Um, okay. And this is this is only like a three to five minute sequence, but um, it is nominally, and I I heavily emphasize nominally introducing another character, To, uh, who is a sort of up and coming dirt biker. I guess the point is there is this scene right at the start. His dirt biking never impacts the plot at any point. He doesn't do any sick dirt bike stunts to escape the train. <laughs> Or I anything was, like that. I was actually <laughs> going to ask if there was a Chekhov's uh, dirt bike set up in this film, and I am highly disappointed now. Yeah, unfortunately, there is not. I feel it would have improved it greatly. Like, honestly, just adding that in it right at the end, I think, would have been incredible. Uh, but instead, I think you're right. There's probably just a slight padding thing and a way to sort of kind of introduce the character. I don't know. Again, it really doesn't... Uh, play into much apart from him being a fairly uh straight and honest kind of person like he doesn't like people cheating and so when he wins and the other guy is a sore loser and says you cheat he's like oh of course i didn't cheat etc etc all that kind of thing um but you know he's a dirt biker he's got a side gig working at an army surplus store <laughs> uh which is where he goes immediately after this competition clearly meanwhile at the kindergarten <laughs> this is probably the best bit of the film uh, a whole bunch of mascots come in. It's a birthday party. Uh, this is set in Bangkok, incidentally. Uh, so, you know, all the parents are there, all the kids are there, and then in walks a bunny with a revolver. <laughs> this is a stick-up. <laughs> and they, they, they rob a kindergarten party. Um, pretty intense, honestly. Um, I, think, I think quite original. I quite enjoyed that bit. Um, and they, they start making their getaway, as they're getting away, uh, they've all stripped out of their mascot costumes. One of them, the woman, her name is June, we'll find out later, gets shot as the police show up. But she's, she can still make it, she can still makes. she calls out for one of the others, Kai. He turns, he looks at her, and then he walks away to get into the van. They leave her behind, and off they go, speeding away. <clears throat> um, this is sort of where we get introduced to the rest of the main car. So we've got 
Moed, uh, who is the guy who's afraid of ghosts. We've got June, who was shot and left behind. <laughs> We've got To, who is a dirt biker and not part of this robbery. Um, then we have the driver, is Ake, uh, who is either gay or trans, and I can't tell um, just in terms of characterization. They, they make some references to um, gender reassignment surgery being something they might be using the money from this for, but also the characters act super crazy flamboyant, like beyond stereotypical flamboyant the entire way through, so I'm not sure what they're playing up with that. Um, but it makes them probably the most memorable character <laughs> of the entire <laughs> gang, because you can always you can always uh, count on you know someone taking a slight insult and going ah no 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 just waving their hand around and everything the the sort of classic over the top uh, reactions to everything. Uh, there is Joke, uh, who is the leader for some reason, um, that, and then there is yeah yeah that, that's unwise. <laughs> Is otherwise. That, that's not that's not somebody <laughs> that you should follow if you no. if you're if you're committing crimes. No, I, not... I mean <laughs> we learned this in I'm, Persona Five, I, and we're still here. Well, I, I, I was about to I was about to say <laughs> unless unless you live in Gotham City, you do not want to <laughs> work with anyone who goes by the name. No, even if you do, especially actually, if you do mm. work in Gotham City, you don't want to work do with that. anybody no. who goes by the name of Joe. No, yeah, no, bad, no, bad. No. Um. <laughs> I also I also want to imagine that like joke is like a bootleg like one of those really cheap bootleg toys but version <laughs> of the joker in in Gotham. it's just the joker without any face makeup in normal clothes yep <laughs> there we go and people um, keep assaulting him <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um uh, so joke has kind of a short fuse uh he he clearly doesn't have very good control of this gang of i'm going to assume like teenagers early 20s people all the film descriptions say they're teens i don't know about that uh like they've got a whole bunch of guns they're robbing <laughs> kindergartners i'm not sure uh, this is the, i'm sure these are following uh 90210 um teenager rules mm, where your teenagers yeah. are 45 years old and covered in yeah makeup. yeah exactly <laughs> um and the final member of the gang is kai who left june behind to either get caught or shot by the cops. The film is not clear at this point. Uh, and his only other defining feature is he is short and slightly fat. <laughs> so that's that's his unique position in the gang. We need someone who can't quite reach the top shelf. Um, and anyway, yeah, so they're fleeing in their van. Um, Joke is threatening Ake to keep driving no matter what. You know, you'll get your cut later, which, of course, Ake looks back to argue about this hit someone, blood everywhere, the van goes reeling, goes off the highway, and through the window of the army surplus store, <laughs> where Toh is currently, like, just doing his shift, watching the store, um, you know, everyone, rubble everywhere, people flying out of the van, they pick themselves up, they dust themselves off, they grab Toh as a hostage, and out the back they run, you know, cops, cops haven't caught up to us yet, let's get out of here as fast as we can, it's weird the cops aren't following us yet, but you know, we'll get get while the going's good. You know, do your best. Um, and so off they run, uh, and they somehow end up in an abandoned train yard. 
uh, where things go, things start to get a little spooky. Uh, Muad is already getting a little twitchy. We already know he's paranoid about ghosts. Now he is convinced he's seeing that old lady ghost everywhere he goes. Uh, she's, you know, around the abandoned train. She's behind that stack of crates, etc., etc. It's all over the place. Um, and they decide the best thing for them to do is to keep moving, get out of Bangkok. They've got their cash. And so the whole gang, plus Toe as hostage, uh, sneak onto the final car of the train. Uh, the door shuts, off the train goes, and congratulations, we're on the train of the dead. Hooray. Um, they have some arguments about splitting the money. You know, when we get when we get loose, we'll give it, we'll share it out, etc. Then we can all cut and run. Uh, and right in the middle of this, uh, June shows up. She made it. She escaped the cops after being shot in the chest somehow. Um, <laughs> and, and tracked them all the way here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, they are a little suspicious of that. The, the, to be fair. That, that, that plot point sounds like a bit of foreshadowing. Mm, yeah, uh, the gang is actually quite suspicious of this. And she says, you know, oh, there's no good. one on earth you could ever go to escape from me. And everyone kind of looks at her like, she's like, no, idiots, this this is the train to my hometown. I was getting out of Dodge, and then I saw you motherfuckers getting in the back of the train, so I thought I'd come poke fun at you. Uh, do you want to come to my hometown with me? And she pointedly looks at the guy who left her behind to die. <laughs> um, and so they, they, they sort of take this in stride, like, that's a good enough excuse for Joke, apparently, who is just happy to see it, ah, I guess. Um, and apparently no yeah. one's con concerned about the sucking uh, bullet wound in her chest. <laughs> oh no, she's completely fine. Oh, even, yeah, that's no. Even yeah, yeah, more yeah, worrisome. More worrisome. <laughs> like, the, it, it was, everything was happening real fast. Maybe she didn't actually get hit, maybe she just tripped. Who knows? Maybe yeah. she's fine. Yeah, yeah. she felt, she, she, she tripped and <laughs> fell on a tomato uh, ketchup yeah. packet. Yeah, and, you exactly. Know, it just gets everywhere. <laughs> well, they, just they had, gets they had squibs. All right, this was a high-profile crime. They had to prepare for. Oh it. yeah, yeah, exactly. It was exactly. to th throw the cops off their trail. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a, it, it, it's a regular heat day, Dave. Oh, it yeah. is. You know, absolutely. Look, look, robbing a kindergarten is the toughest thing. How oh, much yeah. money yeah. did they get? Like, that's the weirdest. Uh, they had they had a small one man carry duffel bag stuffed to the brim with bills. Um, How? So Did the quite these a bit. Kid, these kids are loaded. I know their parents are with them, but yeah. that's a lot of money for. Yeah, them. I think it's like a rich kid's birthday to kindergarten or something. But like, everyone yeah. just brings he's not cash. that rich if he's having it at the kind at the school. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. What I say <laughs> it was a fancy kindergarten. I'll give it that. But like, yeah, I'm. I don't know. I feel like if. When I was in kindergarten, <laughs> if someone rocked up to one of my birthday parties and tried to shake everyone down, they might get like sixty bucks. <laughs> I don't. I don't even think they would have got that. Like, I, I do fat stacks of cash. I do mm. have to say, I feel like if this had been uh, an American, uh, nerdier American production, um, mm. that they would have used the opportunity of the kindergarten and dressing up like bunnies to make a really, really good Silent Hill deep cut. Oh, uh, that'd be cool. Uh, because yeah. 
as uh, as uh, some listeners and and possibly even hosts may or may not know, the uh, uh, elementary school in Silent Hill is based mm. off of the elementary school from Kindergarten Cop. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <That's> so dumb. <laughs> Look, when you when you um, gotta when you gotta make a deep cut. Oh yeah, go to kindergarten cop. Kindergarten cop. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> yeah. Um. So uh, at this point, they're like, "Well, the gang's all here. Might as well scope out what this train situation is. Make sure we won't be disturbed on our way out of Bangkok." Um. Turns out, in the immediate next carriage, there's just a complete rave going on, which is uh where some of the similarities to Snowpiercer begin and pretty much end. Um. <laughs> <laughs> then there's a full-on rave. Uh, Ake and June are extremely psyched by this. They're like, oh, this is the coolest thing ever. There's a whole there's a whole party. Yeah, let's keep going. Let's look through this train. Uh, the carriage after that is full of very rich people sitting down, having dinner in like a very, very, very fancy restaurant carriage. Uh, and you can literally see at this point. I will give I will give some props to the actors. Some of them are good at their jobs. The others are adequate. No one was awful. And you can see the gears begin to turn a joke's head as he looks around this fancy compartment filled to the bursting with like old Thai people all in their suits and their their silk dresses and stuff. Um, why we why stop at a kindergarten? Let's rob a train. <laughs> Maybe gold. Started with the train. I see gold. <laughs> mm, yeah, could have started with a train. Honestly, I'm not sure you had to start with the kindergarten, but you know, it is how it is. Um. At this point, we sort of cut back to Toe, who's alone uh, with Kai, I believe, in the back carriage watching him. Uh, turns out he's very claustrophobic. Um, and then we get a, like, he's not doing well being shut in this in this uh, cramped back-end carriage. But that's fine. And then uh, we zoom out of the train <laughs> to reveal the very bad CGI full shot of the train. And the train is traveling through the endless maroon plains of hell, it looks like. There's just just maroon in every direction no no features maybe some mountains off in the distance uh something's up this is not this is not the outer edge of bangkok <laughs> but you know no one looks out windows it's fine uh let's see da, 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 my notes my notes um so muad is sort of going up and down the carriages scoping things out as well he's still seeing uh the hag ghost lady kind of thing uh she is honestly really really good like her makeup is just creepy enough to sell that she's not just an old lady she's something a little more uh and her appearances are great because he's going along he thinks he sees her in the crowd and then he looks up and she's just perched in that sort of overhead luggage compartment just leering down at him and he freaks completely freaks out dashes his way down the carriage, pushes people past, all all the kind of very rude thing you don't want to do. Uh, and then she grabs his ankle from underneath the seat. He falls, and I love this cut because he falls, and as his face hits the floor, he teleports to a derelict train yard, uh, which is oh, pretty nice. great. Yeah, it's, it, was, it, it was actually a really good cut. Mm. Um and, Although I, uh, I, I I will have to admit that um that this this old lady ghost sounds like the ghost equivalent of Tim and Eric's spaghetti. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so he's out there again. Spooky things are happening. Um, the the 
hey, this, the old lady ghost actress, she's hamming it up. She's having a great time. She's got a kitchen knife and she's running it along the train rails, <laughs> like just <laughs> scraping it along. And like, you just hear this menacing noise. There's an old woman with a knife. Um, and then out of nowhere, June appears, sort of grabs her by the shoulder. He's like, oh, thank God someone else is here. Help me out of here. And she just keeps squeezing his shoulder. It's like, you left me behind. You left me behind and holds him in place for the um, old lady goes to stab him with a kitchen knife. Um, but then he wakes up in the carriage. It was all a dream. <laughs> He's freaking out in the passenger carriage. Uh, uh, at this point, the rest of the gang sort of reconvenes. Uh, it turns out June and Toh have both gone missing. Uh, June appears to have moved him up a couple of carriages to help try and help ease his claustrophobia because she's just nice like that. Uh, and so Muad takes this opportunity. He's had a rough time. He's been stabbed in his dreams by an old lady ghost. Uh, he he pops off to the bathroom to have a little bit of coke, as you do uh, after committing a kindergarten robbery and hopping on train. Uh, and then finds himself in what I have dubbed the infinite bathroom. He's sitting on the toilet. There's a beautiful black and white chessboard checkered tile in this train carriage for some reason. Uh, he pops open his little thing of Coke and he looks up and it is the infinite bathroom. It just stretches on and he completely freaks out as his reflection just stares at him, not mimicking his movements. And that was pretty good as well, honestly. Um, a lot of the good stuff is with Muad in this film as far as horror is concerned. Uh, he runs out of there yelling about ghosts, of course, because it's always ghosts with him and everyone else is getting pretty tired of this. Um, but the train stops, takes on some more passengers. No one gets off, though. Um, and at this point, To meets a nice-looking young woman named Ratri, uh, and he attempts to warn her that the train is going to be hijacked, at which point June shuts him up, makes sure, you know, don't spread the plan around, etc., etc., um, and we finally start getting a bit of backstory for these these random these random kin kindergarten robbers. Uh, we start getting a bit of backstories as to each of their personal dark pasts. Um, in Muad's case, it turns out the old lady ghost, uh, so he's a drug addict. The old lady ghost is an old lady he murdered in a bus stop for drug money. <laughs> um, because... You know, a lot of this film is technically like bad karma style stuff. This is happening to them for a reason, and the reason is they are terrible. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and at this point, like he's reminiscing about that, he's having flashbacks, and uh, he gets his own little sort of visual light motif start. Wherever he sits in the train from now on, wherever he is, there's always a drip of water coming from the ceiling, getting his hair wet. He is not dry for the rest of this film. Uh, which I think was a pretty, <laughs> pretty interesting one. Um, this all links. This this all foreshadows something. It's getting there. Um, <laughs> that 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 uh, detail does not does not assuage my <laughs> my um, feelings that this old lady goat is just began. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Um, uh, some people actually start looking out the windows of the train to see what's going on, uh, and they see the train appears to be going for a mountain pass. Suddenly, a woman and a young child appear on the tracks. The train appears to hit them, comes screeching to a stop. The whole gang piles out, looks at the front of the train. No one there, nothing, no blood, no nothing. Uh, the driver's like, well, that's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Uh, gets back in the train and gets it moving again. Uh, Muad 
having a rough time. Everything bad seems to happen to him. Uh, looking down under the train, sees the little girl in the mist peering back at him through the wheels. Uh, and then from under the train, still sees the two pairs of uh, feet get up on the little step, step up into the carriage, and he pops his head up. The carriage door opens, and there's no one there. Spooky ghost stuff. Again, that was actually quite nicely shot. There's, there's a couple of bits that I really like, and then the rest is just super mediocre in terms of just cinematography <laughs> and lighting and stuff. Um, you can also tell they didn't spend a lot of money on the few bits of CG they have, which, yeah, nothing wrong with low-budget films, but, like, this one feels like the two-and-a-half to three-star range, you know? Um see uh and now once the whole gang sort of gets back on the train as it gets moving the entire train is empty there is literally not a soul aboard as far as they can tell um and also everyone in the gang who had just stepped out into the rain to investigate why the train stopped is completely dry despite the fact that uh they've been standing in the rain for about five minutes except for muad who is as ever under the eternal drip uh, so he obviously starts losing it, rants and raves, and goes completely off the deep end about ghosts. Uh, and the whole gang gets really tense at this point. There's a lot of accusatory shouting. There's a lot of gun pointing. Uh, there's a lot of searching the pass uh, the ca uh, passenger carriages for any other sign of life. Um, because, hey, we were going to rob all these people. There's no one here anymore. <laughs> This is really weird. They didn't all get off in the middle of a mountain pass. Um, <clears throat> uh, Tot nearly gets found. Uh, he's also disappeared off. He's hidden himself in a closet along with Ratri, um, who he has finally identified. He knows who she is. She's a model uh, some of his dirt biking buddies are a big fan of. Uh, so we know we know someone. Hooray! Um she informs To that she actually knows about the, the gang's plan to rob the train and says none of us are able to leave the train, at which point a mysterious force grabs her and pulls her directly into a wall, like completely non-interacting with the walls, like just phases through it. Um, <laughs> it's very supernatural. It's ghosts, everybody. If you didn't pick up on it yet, everyone on the train is a ghost. Um uh, Mued is looking around the train. Uh, he decides for some reason to look on top of the train and finds the uh, woman and the child sitting on top of the train, enjoying the view as it speeds along. Uh, obviously, is getting pretty freaked out at this point. Um, Toh has had a Walkman this entire time that has been like playing music and like news clips and things. Uh, and it is at this point he realizes that it has been unplugged the entire time. Uh, and so he has actually been hearing the voices of the dead through his Walkman. Hooray, I guess. Um, <laughs> we get a we get a quick scene with Ratri where she's interrogated by this sort of misty force in an empty carriage and told that she was breaking the rules of the train, but that eventually she will have will be the one to show everyone like the true nature of what it is to be on the train. Like, hey guys, we're all dead here. Welcome to the ghost train. Um, and uh, <laughs> finally, we get some conclusion to a minor plot point. Muad finally gets to take his coke. He's freaked out. He runs back to the bathroom. He finally gets his hit. Um, and the door locks and all the taps in the bathroom turn on. 
and the room slowly begins to fill with water because this train is an awful place. Why? Meanwhile, uh, June, one carriage over, shows up and with a bullet hole in her head, because the police killed her, they shot her in the head, uh, and decapitates Kai with her bare hands in an actually incredibly gory uh, physical prop scene that was actually really well done. Um, okay, this is, hey, uh, physical effects, practical effects, big ups on those. This one was great. It's, it's a classic Japanese cinema style sort of gout of blood as this young Thai girl just kind of grabs this guy's head and twists it off in one smooth motion. Um, <laughs> these... And of um, of course, it's not the end of Kai because now his body's stumbling around, his head's mumbling and moaning uh, in her grasp. In her grasp, uh, and uh, his his headless corpse chases Ake down a corridor, <laughs> uh, which is hilarious because it's the most flamboyant, overreactionary character facing something where their reactions are actually appropriate for once <laughs> in the entire film. As Ake sort of just completely freaks the hell out um, with, you know, Kai's, Kai's headless body chasing him and then June throws the head to him and Kai's head is like, oh, hey man, what's up? Why are you going so fast? <laughs> <laughs> that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, we go over to the bathroom of horrors again. Um, Muid is really freaking out as the bathroom slowly but surely fills with water. Um, he puts his hands on the mirror to kind of look in the mirror and calm himself down, and his left hand is sucked into the mirror as his reflection grabs him and tries to pull him through. He yanks his hand away and has cut his left hand off at the wrist in doing so because glass is sharp, uh, don't you know? Um, this sort of causes him to pass out uh, as the room continues to fill with water. Um Joke has found Toe again, uh, and they have, which I've put in little quotes here, they have a super anime battle in the fancy carriage. <laughs> um, <laughs> this, is, this, is a, this is the best description I have. They, there are fly kicks, there are bicycle kicks. At one point, Toe does a, a six-string bicycle, bicycle kick combo right into uh, Joke's face. Um, you know, they're grabbing each other by the throats in midair, tossing people through tables, throwing people 10 feet backwards with a single portrait. Like, it, it's literally just a super anime battle. I, I'm assuming there was a lot of wire work here, and I'm assuming it was a ton of fun to film. Because um, <laughs> it looks like, uh, it looks like the, the, the actors were having a good time. Um, and uh, just as Toe is about to get shot by joke, Ratri shoves Toe out of the way, and the bullet passes harmlessly through her, revealing her to be made of this sort of misty white substance because she reveals the truth she's a ghost uh if you're on this train it's because you're dead and everyone sort of looks at themselves and goes uh okay and by everyone i mean joke and toe actually because they're the only other ones in the carriage um ake is confronted by the woman and child duo uh who teleport them to the interior of this rundown, hasn't been used in a couple of decades, train carriage. It looks like it's completely still. Um, and then arms and faces start growing out of the rusted, dusty metal, sort of groping and reaching like the um, like the ghosts in Dark Souls 2 in the walls and the catacombs, just oh, reaching yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, again, this, this is pretty bad CGI, but because it's this dark, dusty interior and it's this dull, rusty color... 
it works a lot better than the previous CGI we've had so far. Uh, and the concept is super cool as well. Like the arms just reaching out and waving and grasping blindly. Um, <laughs> uh, at this point, uh, Joke and Toas dealing with the fact that apparently everyone here is dead. When June throws up, throws Kai still talking severed head to Joke. Again, she seems to be very fond of doing that and swears to take him with her to hell. At which point, Ake's freaked out enough by all of this, um, and he jumps out of the train window and falls into the burning pits of hell below the train. Because, um, yeah, no one's, no one's getting off this train easy. Uh, he le uh, they leap out of the window, covered in glass shards, fall into the abyss, never to be seen again. Um, the flashback reveal as they fall is that the woman and little girl... Uh, were the people that got run over during the madcap getaway uh, just before they swerved into the army surplus store. Um, so they've gotten their revenge. Um, we get a little sort of smooth camera shot down a corridor. We pan past a window into a carriage, and we see that Muad has drowned because that carriage is completely filled with water. Uh, that, that infinite bathroom carriage is now just this kind of uh, man tank. Um, yeah, so there's not, not a lot of the gang left, uh, at which point we start getting a little more sort of lorey information here. Uh, only souls that have left their bodies can board the train, and only people, only souls that have accepted the fact that they're dead can see the other passengers. So, um, you know, like, uh, they, they didn't realize they were dead. They got off that train for their short interstitial and was like, no, this seems really, we're pretty sure we're alive. Everything seems pretty real out here. Got back in the train and because they'd made that tonal shift in their thinking, I guess, suddenly all the other passengers had disappeared? Question mark? <laughs> so that one's a little plot holy. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, at this point, the ticket master comes along. Uh, he wants to check your ticket, by which he means he has a little handheld device that reads the fortune lines on the palm of your hand. Uh, Got to make sure there's no fortune lines on that on that uh, hand, because once you die, those are erased because you have no future. Um, and it turns out Ratri and Top both still have their future lines on their hand, so they're not completely dead, but they're also not alive. They're caught in limbo kind of deal. Uh, and Arcade's glass riddle, riddle call shows up. They're mostly dead. Mostly. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, Arcade's glass riddle corp shows up and starts uh, alongside June and Kai, starts trying to convince Joke to come to hell with them because, yay, <laughs> hell. Um, <laughs> at which point, Joke is seriously freaking out about all of this. Uh, he takes Ratri hostage, despite the fact that the threat of a gun on a ghost is not much of a threat at all but sure um and toe and joke end up having this big standoff on top of the train as it speeds towards the gate to hell uh again super bad cgi up here kind of kind of muted a little by the fact that everything is just this sort of blood red filter over everything um and uh, you know they have they have a good old fashioned fist fight on top of a train. Toe is losing, but then accepts that he's probably actually dead, and proves it by letting uh, Joke shoot him a few times, and that doesn't seem to do anything. Once he's accepted his death, he becomes stronger. Um, 
<laughs> at which point, once Joke starts losing, <laughs> he attempts to threaten the train conductor to stop the train. Obviously, doesn't work. Can't threaten a ghost with a gun. Uh, and the train conductor just kind of melts away the illusion of being this kindly old man and shows the rotting corpse that he really is, which freaks Joke out entirely. Uh, and he falls off the train into a lake of burning souls. Uh, at which point it's explained that Joke's bad karma has condemned him to eternal suffering without rebirth. Uh, so we won't be seeing him again ever. Uh, and the train begins to pull into the final station. Um, the final stage of this is all the souls file through this portal in the front carriage uh, to go witness their deaths, come to term with it so they can sort of go to their appropriate section of the afterlife and everything. We see the truth that's been with us all along. Everyone was dead all along. Uh, when the car crashed into the army surplus store, Arke was thrown through the window. He died uh, from the impact, covered in glass. Uh, Mued got thrown out the back. His hand got lopped off. He hit his head and landed face first in a fountain and drowned. Uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, and the, 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 twist, the twist in the teeth at the end, um, we, see the, we see the ambulance sort of scream in, pull one person out of the rubble, say, we've got a survivor. Toe is alive, but he was so close to death, his soul, for a few hours, left its body, got on the death, got on the train of ghosts to go along to hell, because, like, I'm pretty sure we're dead, so we're just gonna, we're just gonna leave. Uh, but he survived. Uh, and so, as all the souls go to their um, proper places, his soul goes back to his body, and we get to see the sort of normal and paranormal worlds are actually overlapped at all times uh like the train station we see all the normal people getting off a regular train going about their lives and then we see all the ghosts getting off the train going about their ghostly lives they're like a, an old couple gets off the train in the real world goes and sits down and has something to eat and then a young couple in the ghost train gets off the train goes and sits in the same places that they are that kind of thing um and ratri is kind of still a uh, pothole in kind of way she's just not given enough time to in the film to be explained properly the only explanation we get is her body has been destroyed but it wasn't her assigned time to die and so her soul has just been sitting on the train of death this entire time waiting out until uh, it's finally time for Ratri to actually die and her palm lines will be erased and then she can go on to the afterlife etc etc uh, and the final shot is um, all these ghost trains exploding out of the station, going every which way through the sky, through the earth, uh, and an announcement saying, you know, train 13, we've had 491 motor vehicle accidents, go pick them up as soon as you can, etc., etc. Uh, so apparently this is an organization in the afterlife. Uh, and that's a train of death. It's not awful. It's definitely not great. <laughs> Uh, but you know, for, for, for an hour and a half, I don't think I've wasted my time and I, I had some fun. Um, it's just colored by the fact I watched a superior train movie <laughs> immediately afterwards. Um, I do have a question, Cameron, if, mm. uh, when the credits started to roll on the film and, mm. uh, the Thomas, the tank engine theme started playing, <laughs> would, would that have given it an extra I think it might have. I think that would be. I think that would be an interesting twist. Is that the uh, the souls in limbo get incarnated into trains? I'd be into that. 
Um, <laughs> and Thomas ferried the souls of the dead because there was nothing left yeah. to be. Yes, yes. To be fair, you only see the front of the train in one shot otherwise, so they could absolutely edit that one shot in the middle of the film <laughs> when the train stops to be uh, to be a Thomas the Tank Engine face. <laughs> Uh, that that'd be a great like behind the illusion. Actually, like the illusion finally drops, and you just see the ghost Thomas the Tank Engine train go. Well, hope you had a good trip. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, it's on Netflix. If anyone wants to watch it, um, I mean, I've basically explained most of the film, but you know, there's, there's all the stuff with Muad, really good. That's the actual ghost movie bit of the movie, I think, in general. A <laughs> uh, few other bits that are pretty good. The rest is just is just campy filler horror movie stuff. No, uh, no dope bike shenanigans. Three out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that was an exciting ghostly adventure. <laughs> Dave, mm-hmm. have have you have you have you dusted the cobwebs out of thine eyes? Have you uh, become one with the the this this world in its current state due to uh, caffeine ingestion? Are you I, here? I, to I tell have us? I have subtly joined rejoined the waking world. Good. good, good, good. <laughs> Yes, and I, I brought along a movie. This one does not have a train, but it has some ghosts. Mm. Okay. And, and some death. The, those, <laughs> those, the, those things may be related. So this mm. is, as I mentioned, a 2017 film, Tigers Are Not Afraid. It was written and directed by Isa Lopez. And a, I'll just read the little synopsis blurb here, uh, because we'll dig into that. Uh, a dark fairy tale about a gang of five children trying to survive the horrific violence of the cartels and the ghosts created every day by the drug war. Um, thematically, this was hard to watch because it's, it's real-world issues. So this mm. is... Um, you could look at it kind of like a slightly more contemporary um, theming of like Pan's Labyrinth. Okay, yeah, That's what I was okay. It, it reads mm. it's it's not it's not a one to one, and it doesn't deal. It deals a little. It's actually heavier um, with the themes, which is weird to say because Pan's Labyrinth wasn't being subtle. Um. This one, the the fairy tale aspect of it is, uh, there are uh, a cartel war go- or wars going on in, I think it's in Mexico City. Doesn't really matter. It's it's a city in Mexico, but it's probably Mexico City, because um, mm-hmm. it's a big city. But uh, yes, these wars are going on, and it, the focus is is almost entirely on kids orphaned by these wars. Uh, and it starts in a school. It's not a kindergarten. These kids are slightly older. Um, there, there is no robbery. Um, however, it is a shooting into a school. Like the, there's police and cartel battles going on outside, or maybe it's rival cartels. We don't know. It doesn't really explain, but there's bullets going into a classroom, um, in the middle of a, uh, 
a session on creating a fairy tale the the teacher uh, the, mm -hmm. the lesson plan was to talk about the um the elements uh of a, a fairy fairy tale like name some elements and then use those to make your own story so each each of the kids is supposed to kind of like just write down a, a short fairy tale and they're all kind of just throwing out um you know there's princes and princesses and there's three wishes uh fairy tales have tigers you know they're just throwing out a bunch of stuff but a couple of things obviously become kind of keywords and uh the our, our one of our main characters uh, estrella she's the one kind of she's she's focused on mainly in the class and she's narrating some of it and kind of talking about her story that she wants to write um, for the class. The that that's of course right when, when the kids are starting to present their tales. Um, that's when the kind of the gunfighting happens, uh, and it's mm -hmm. that part was a little. I mean, the whole the whole movie is hard to like. There's not just one part. The whole movie is kind of hard to watch. Um, it's it's very topical, yeah. like just in general. But they're they're all just on the ground under the desks and there's there's bullets coming in overhead um no one at this point is like actually getting shot so that thankfully there's that um mm -hmm. but the australia is sitting there with her teacher and they're just like hunkered down and the teacher's still trying to do her lesson <laughs> it, it's it's not okay. it's it, it, it's only to like calm them down as they're being like shot ah. She's right. like, she's okay. like, Reme remember your fairy tales, and I mean, because they could just be dying at that point. So, she's right, just it's trying to do something so they're not afraid. It's 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 certainly <clears throat> not played. It's it's clearly not played as a comedy beat. It's it's no, no, yeah. some kind of no. normalcy <laughs> during yeah. this uh, horrible tra traumatic event. Yeah, could be. There's not. There's literally nothing else they can do aside from right. lay on the ground. Anyway, um, she's talking to us because she's like face to face with Estrella. And um, mm. she's she's hold she's like she was holding her chalk from her lesson and it's broken, um, just because of s stress or, or everything. And she's sitting there and she's like, um, "Here's here's the, like your take these this will these are your these will be your three wishes." And so Australia's given like the three pieces of like broken chalk, basically, mm. and keeps us with her it's it's just to kind of calm her down um and then the the, the gunfire passes whatever it's doing like no one's harmed at this point and um she she goes home Pop still has the the two pieces of chalk and um we're we're given a little bit of background like on her and her home life it's just her and her mother um they're they're just everyone in there is, is basically just trying to struggling to make ends meet day to day, uh, dealing with the cartel violence. Uh, just, I mean, just everything in general. It's a very difficult um, city to be living yeah. in, and um, her her mom works shifts like shift work. So Australia like sees her, but it's not all the time. Um, they have a otherwise a, a good relationship. And um, as as Australia is walking home in this particular time, there was another. Um, there was a, a, a actual outright murder done, and 
we see it's sort of like the the police exist but they exist in a way that doesn't impact life because uh of mm-hmm. specifically of corruption uh and and the violence is just so rampant that there's like nothing they can do even if they weren't corrupt right so there's okay. a basically there's just a dead body laying in the street and the police are kind of cordoning it off but it it cuts to like kids having taken a lot of their like the caution tape and they're just like playing i think they're playing jump rope they're just doing stuff with it because that's just <laughs> their life is like this is mm. this yeah um estrella sees the the dead body um the police are covering it up and she's just kind of she's bothered by it but not enough to for to do anything she just kind of goes okay that's just how it is and then just keeps walking home but as as she passes the that area and then she, she's basically going kind of comes out of an alley to go down to the street uh lines of blood from the body uh come out and they start following her like it's 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 cg mm-hmm. tracks of blood mm. and they they will reappear they will be there the entire movie because it's it's a um a transmission medium sort of uh and they they follow her to her apartment her mother's not home hasn't come home she hasn't heard she hasn't heard from her she's trying to call her on the phone not getting any answer the um the blood sort of like silent hills through the apartment kind of going through like along the wallpapers and doing weird stuff and it um it ultimately goes up the ceiling and drips down onto um uh, Estrella's she has a dress that's, that was hanging to dry or something just hanging up but it it drips Mm. onto it and forms like a um uh, i guess like a coat of arms it basically forms like two crossed hatchets with something else there it's 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 in blood so it's like a you know it's like a blot test kind of thing but you can see like axes crossed on it um under her dress and uh it's at this point we were slightly Slightly before the, the the guy that was killed in the street, um, we'd seen was shot from behind by a child. Uh, mm-hmm. This turns out to be um, El Shine, and El Shine is a. So these kids are uh, between like eight and ten years old, somewhere around that age. They're young, but not like mm-hmm. they're, they're just. I don't know. They're not middle school. They're still in elementary school yeah. age. So it's El, El Chine and his, his, it's his gang. It's um, three other like little kids. Well, two other ones and one of them slightly maybe is like seven or eight. One of them's much young, like slightly younger, but not too much younger. Um, they, they're all homeless. They all live in like a rooftop shanty place that um lcna is kind of built has like a little tv and it's it's blankets and kind of it's almost like a little it's a little tent thing on top of on top of the roofs um it keeps them relatively safe they have some kind of cover from the elements uh Mm. and he he has well obviously he has a, a pistol he's gotten from somewhere and it's um it's a pretty fancy one. It has like snakes, like gilded onto the hand, the hand grip. Um, it's like mm. cr- chrome plated 
expensive looking custom pistol. Um, so it awkward. looks like <laughs> it looks like every gun from Romeo plus Juliet. Yes, yes, he he has taken <laughs> um he has taken one of their one of their guns. <laughs> Just one though, he didn't get two. But um yeah, so he has this he's gotten from somewhere. Um it ends up being a very important somewhere, of course. And uh the the murder that he's done is I mean it's for a very specific reason. Um it, it gets into that a little bit later. Uh how it ties together is um he sees because he's living living on the rooftops, um and it's adjacent to where Estrella lives and she's just been sitting like out on the stoop or it's not it's like a a landing that's kind of like a fire escape thing but it doesn't matter um she sits outside waiting for her mom um because her mom still hasn't come home and he just kind of sees mm. her from there and um he's she's she's not well off um but she has a still has a house you know, still has parents. So there, there's things that she has that he does not. So he's kind of just saying junk to her and just kind of yelling at her from the rooftop about mm-hmm. her being lucky because um, he, he has pretty much nothing other, other than his like little gang of other urchins. Um, and that's their, their introduction that ends up playing a little important part. Uh, Estrella, because she has, she still has that chalk. She remembers it, and then her mom still hasn't come back. She has no food. I don't think. I don't. I think they just would buy what they were going to use for that day and then cook it. So there's no food in the house otherwise. Um, so she's going hungry. Can't find her mother. Uh, so she makes a wish. She's like, "I wish mom would come back." And breaks the chalk, and then you, that uses up one of the wishes. Well, hmm. um, this is uh chalk stolen from the monkey's paw i guess because <laughs> any of the wishes you make <laughs> with these do not go well um Ooh. we get the door opening um all the lights are off in the house she's kind of just in the dark and we just hear whispers um of of her mother's voice um talking to her um but it's like spooky whispers um and there's shadows and then eventually like this bedraggled like terrifying hand sort of comes out of the darkness and is reaching for her and she she just bolts she's she's not gonna stay there um mm. she gets out of there real quick there's nowhere else to go she remembers that the, those boys are on the rooftop so she goes up there and she's like hey can i stay with you guys um it's definitely like uh a, a boy's only club there's a, a lot of that going on for a little while where that while they debate or rather while el shine debates um if, if she can stay um mm. because it's, it's his gang and he doesn't want girls in it <laughs> because girls are bad like it goes of on course. for a little while about him yeah. just being a jerk um uh. eventually uh he lets her stay um it kind of introduces us to the other the other kids a little bit more they're they're a little less um developed as characters um, aside from Mr. Yanelshine but we have um, Morito uh, Tucci and Pop and they 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 run around doing graffiti like of these tigers on everything like a tiger face and mm. it's 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 a cute 
spooky face like it's it's the way that like kids will draw something and it like you can tell what it's supposed to be but it comes off being a little scary just because it's not quite it's uncanny a little bit mm-hmm. yeah. and, and that's yeah. how this tiger face is and it's um it's on uh, uh let's see it has like a little skateboard it's on that like which is actually like a really cool decal it would be kind of cool to see stickers of these um but uh there's a story accompanying that where uh, Moro or Morito is a he, he's mute he's the youngest one and he carries like a little stuffed tiger and he wants like a, a bedtime story so El Cine tells him the story again of, of the story he's told many times apparently um, of mm-hmm. this uh, tiger who uh, was a property of I think it's a, some rich cartel guy or rich somebody who had a tiger in their house and a bunch of other things and the, oh yeah, so it's, it's just regular or not regular, but it's like a politician or something. Um, yeah. But uh, the cartels came uh, and killed the guy and took all of his stuff. But in all the scuffle, the tiger got loose and is um, just in the city. It's it's out. It's like an urban legend. It's ro- it's in the alleyways mm. and it's just killing whoever gets in its way. It's it's tiger right. because tigers aren't scared of anything. They're not afraid. Um, yeah. And they'll they'll yeah. kill they'll kill whoever they need to 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 live. And so that's kind of why they've taken that as a, a logo too. Like okay. they're they're yeah. they're like a they're little kids, so they're afraid. Like they're they believe in this legend enough that they're actually kind of afraid of a tiger run, running in the alleyways. Mm-hmm. But that that there's also like a power in that, so they take that as their emblem. Yeah. So it's um that part's really good, and that's 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 the other piece of the fairy tale um because estrella is kind of mm. relating some of this before she tells she, she he, she's not telling the tale of the tiger but she's taken that as a motif like in her story that she's creating um yeah so it turns out that the uh i i the name of the game is like in the game the gang uh it's like the huacas or something i i, I forgot mm-hmm. to I know it was it was I think it's Haka, but yes, uh, it is. Yeah, yeah. so the that gang, it turns out, has been they kidnap um, women and children, and mm-hmm. um, they're all they're all in service. Um, it's it's rumored anyway that they're all in service of a man named El, El Chino, and El Chino is a um, a candidate for. I think governor he's some like big politician that's running for office so you see yeah. his his billboards are up all over the city um but the rumor is that the um uh, hawkas are are working for him directly and that's that's the other mm. corruption angle is that you can't get help with the hawkas because the the dude that could help you is running them right and they're and he's using them to get get rid of like political opponents um, the other rumor and the, the one that the kids understand is that everyone that's because ki- there's people getting kidnapped. That's just what happens. Um, mm. But they're they're convinced and there's no there's no proof to the contrary of this that uh, anyone that's kidnapped and if it's if it's kids, they're um, they're sold off somewhere. Uh, but if it's women, they're sacrificed for some sort of like satanic rituals. We don't we don't mm. know. Um but that seems to be something like the case. So where that ties in is Estrella's mom, who's gone missing, has actually been kidnapped by by the Juancas. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and it turns out that um, uh, El Cine, his his house was burnt down. Um, his mom was taken. Also, uh, she was killed. Um, he has like a scar on his face because the Hawkeyes came and like burnt the building down, and they used that mm-hmm. to like kidnap people. Like they would set the buildings on fire, and then when people would run out, they would just get grab them. Um, so he's burnt from that and he's, he's seeking, um, kind of revenge. And that's the, one of the guys that he killed was a, um, Hakas person that he thought was tied to his mother's, um, disappearance. Uh, he's the, the, he has the gun and a cell phone, um, from this, um, this other, he's like a sub Hakka boss, um, Kako. And that's Mm -hmm. the main... This is, I guess, the secondary main bad guy. He's the other adult you kind of see, um, other aside from El Chino. And the plan comes around uh, to... They can solve a lot of their problems if they just go kill El, or, uh, um, Kako. And they go to go mm-hmm. do that. But for um, Estrella to, like, carry her weight and be in the gang, um, she has to be the one to go kill him. Mm-hmm. So, so he just... Um, uh, El Chino just gives her the, like that fancy gun. It's like go, go, go. We found, mm-hmm. here's his house. Just go, go get him, and then you can be. We'll give you food and whatever and shelter, and you can be part of the gang. So, yeah, because uh, she kind of volunteers because she has her two wishes left. Um, that she knows work. Um, even if it's like frightening, like her mother came <laughs> back <laughs> from somewhere. Or something that probably is her mother. She doesn't know that and it keeps popping up, and um, uh, t- it's talking to her and keeps saying that like bring bring them s- some nebulous them to um, to where the dead people are, and we'll take care mm-hmm. of it. And so Australia doesn't know what that is. She's just like, okay, I'm just gonna run away now. Except for that, there's no mm-hmm. there's no like calm talking. She just runs every time. <laughs> every time her mother shows up, she's just bolts because it's frightening. Well, uh, she goes to go take care of um, Kako, or try to, or do something. She's she's not sure what she's she's just she has a gun and she's in a house and she's like, um, well, technically skipped a bit. So the whole reason that they mm-hmm. went to go find him in particular was because um, Kako uh, was looking for that phone because it has something important on it and um he found the kids on the rooftop and he he successfully grabbed um uh, morito so mm-hmm. they're they're going to go get back their friend and in yeah. the process the easiest way to do that is just to kill the guy that took our, their friend like so he can't come after because he's just gonna come after them again if he's still alive that that was the whole point so mm-hmm. she goes in uh does the deed has to use one of her wishes um because she's scared and basically just wishes i wish i didn't have to actually kill him but it could be just dealt with uh and it is the 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 gun comes alive and the one of the sort i guess the the snakes on the snake plating on it come off and like startle her they're like slithering around and it startles Mm. her and she fires the gun like why she's behind him. So she I mean she she didn't she pulled the trigger, but technically she didn't do it on purpose. I don't know. It's a ambiguous like she shoots him because she was startled by something else. Mm. Rather than like able to do it of her own 
volition yeah i, I guess yeah. um they they free morito uh everything's generally smooth sailing uh they they find um they, they can't go back up onto the the their roof land because the hawkas uh, know like where that's at so they got to find a new place they, mm-hmm. they they find like this sort of wonderland uh abandoned um apartment complex i think doesn't it's it's been like bombed out it's it's all destroyed but it, it's still stable uh it's like a little paradise the, the the kids are asking like oh if we find a place i wanted to have a soccer field and a zoo you know they're, they're kids they want like yeah. something really cool and it turns out that the the place they found has um there's a big crack in like the second floor foundation uh that had filled with water and it someone's goldfish or something built out of an aquarium i don't know there's just huge goldfish swimming in like this little mm-hmm. makeshift pond um in the just in the the walkway so that's their zoo uh, they they find this sort of gymnasium like a abandoned gymnasium thing that has soccer balls that's the, their football field um there's a it there's a theater i don't know what this building was but it does have a lot of things there's like an actual <laughs> like uh, theater for play theaters like a small one um where it has like plush velvet seats i mean everything's all like old and stuff but it, that's you know it still has it all the things that they were um, wanting even though that they didn't use a wish to find it um the the wakas track them down and end up um uh shooting uh morito it was like the worst because mm. he's like the youngest, like the baby, and he gets killed. Yeah. Mm. So that happens, and the entire time, like Estrella has been s- seeing other ghosts, but doesn't like notice it really. Uh, but this one, she clearly noticed it because he, she left alone with him, and then his ghost and the little tiger, the little tiger puppet, is like alive and running around. Um, but the ghost. Uh, basically gives her some information she needs to um, they, they need to go find um, El Chino they go mm-hmm. after him uh, because he's the source of everything and he uh, he he basically has been calling or they, they track the, the Huaca and El Chino track down the phone and know that no, no, they know that the the kids have it. Um, what the phone has on it is uh, video evidence of El Tino. He's he's it's when he's killing Estrella's mom, uh. like on a video that the kids didn't like. They weren't digging around on the phone, um, but it's on there. They they realize they then they start looking because they're like, well, they're wanting something on this phone specifically. So they look for it. They find out what that is. Um, Estrella didn't see that part of the video, so she doesn't know that that was her mother. She's still looking for her mom, even though there's ghost mom, like, mm. haunting her. But she doesn't know that she's she made a wish. There's a ghost. So she, she yeah. just knows that the yeah. wishes go weird. Um, and they they have a, they, like, set up a meeting. They go to do, like, a, a, a trade-off. And the trade-off is um, because... Uh, El Tina is not stupid. He, he's like, we'll give you the phone, um, but you need to, because they're making a deal directly with um, El Tino, uh They're like, y- you get rid of um, the Huacas. Like, 
just do mm. something so they don't bother anyone anymore and we'll give you this phone because it's it's about you and not them and Altino's like uh you know what sure just give me the, the phone you know because he, he's even if he's corrupt he's still running for an office and just get at, that would that can't get out that's just him like murdering mm. people like, yeah op openly and or, or whatever uh they do the meeting and Altino, like, he makes good on his word. He ends up just, like, shooting the other, or, or the Hawkeyes that came along with him to the meeting. And then he he has the phone. You think everything's going fine. The kids are, they're, they get out of there. They're running away. And then um, El Chine is basically saying that, well, uh, I needed to make, we need more insurance because they're probably just gonna try to kill us anyway so i didn't actually give him like the right phone i like swapped it for a different phone but he'll probably <laughs> notice real quick uh so we need to run like faster um mm -hmm. they, they uh two of the kids get away it's basically el el Chine and estrella um getting chased by um el chino and the whole, the whole time, uh, El Chine has been asking Estrella to, like, if, if her wishes... Because she tells him what the wish is, and he doesn't believe her. Um, he's like, well, if they work, can you, like, get rid of my scar? And she's been telling him, no, no, it's like the wishes don't go well. Um, well, so she finally relents, because there's no... What else is going to happen? They've, Morito's dead. They're, they don't know what's going on. She she realizes her mother was in that video. It's everything's just crap. So she's like, okay, I'll just get mm -hmm. rid of your scar now, so you can believe me about the wishes. Even though that's her like last wish, um, she does that, uh, immediately. So she takes the chalk and like makes an X on his face where the scar is, um, mm -hmm. and, and immediately he gets shot in the face. <laughs> It was like of you course. knew something bad doesn't happen, and it's just what <laughs> they just, so the, the movie's not playing around with with its themes. Um, it's very mm, like the, those yeah. parts are yeah the whole the whole movie's <laughs> tough 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 to watch. Um, and then it's the, basically just a showdown between her and um uh El, El Chino, and yeah. she's just trying to make her escape from him. The uh Morito's little tiger shows up. As she's crawling through mm -hmm. like these vent things, and it's telling her to like go, basically, it's making her follow it. And so she's following this little like animated plush tiger around. Um, and finds like a, a, a chute, like a laundry chute thing, or I guess it's just part of the vent system, but it, it drops down somewhere. Um, it smells bad, mm -hmm. it's dark, she can't see anything. Uh, so she she jumps down the chute because the guy's like right behind her, or he's he finds her vent or whatever, and it's like the worst because it's it's the vent or it's it's a room where um they were dumping all of the uh, bodies of people that they killed, and she finds her mom, and then her mom's reanimated corpse like tells her um to to bring that guy and then <laughs> but it's like th this part even though it's a horrifying like decomposing corpse mm. is like not yeah. being creepy is being like loving okay so that oh. part was good mm. <laughs> except for it's that... still horrifying yeah, that kind of makes it worse <laughs> yeah 
Um, but so the entire time, so she's running with this phone and she's hiding, but it doesn't work very well because El, El Chino just keeps calling the phone. And so it just keeps mm. ringing because she doesn't can't yeah. put it on silent or I don't know, but it, it rings. And so he's just been using mm. that to like track her and she can't just drop the phone somewhere, which is silly. Yeah. She, she could have just dropped the phone somewhere. It doesn't matter to her at this point. Anyway, um, he finds her in there or he, he finds that room, the room that he knew about because he dumped everyone in there anyway. But um, yeah, she she runs out he gets like sucked in into the room mm. because it's the vengeful ghost room. Uh, we get, we get, there's a couple of things that like happen that are important to the plot and that I skipped over simply because like mm. watch this movie. It's, it's really, really good. I, I enjoyed this um, more than Pan's Labyrinth and I like Pan's Labyrinth quite a bit. Uh, this was yeah. a, a, a better, more resonant film uh mm. yeah yeah yes it's harder to yeah. watch but the themes that it's dealing with are, are are they're contemporary so they're more important um yeah and it it's just it's resonant uh it's very well done uh it's very well directed the, like i said the director and the and the writer um are the same and it's not afraid to um be poignant and put the audience uh and probably i guess the cast members through their paces because these these themes are hard mm. to, to to deal with but it's it's it is not afraid like the tigers uh, to yeah. to tackle this head on <laughs> um and and it, it doesn't feel exploitative which is like the mm. the, the most important bit it's it's taking this all yeah. very seriously oh, yeah. and it's it's not using it as like a cash grab it's just using That's it as a, to make a good and important mm. film. Um, so yeah, there's other yeah. bits that that I've left apart because they they're important to the plot, um, and mm. they're they're basically the um, the Chekhov's gun bits. There's there's other stuff that yeah. happens that, yeah. that you catch and then it foreshadows things and those yeah. those make the they tie the, the the little ends that tie everything together so mm. uh for the ghosts in particular um they are the vengeful dead like the ghosts you see are yeah. people that were wronged um and are still uh, existent and are they have a goal and a consciousness of their own Mm. and are uh, but but don't have agency like beyond yeah. um their agency exists only as a way to like manipulate things uh yeah and, right and to um push events together mm. but they're also tied into this fairy tale so they're they're a real thing there's no there's no ambiguity mm. like all the stuff that happens because of her wishes like happens in the film um yeah. this isn't the case where like pan's labyrinth it feels that it could have been in in, in this none of this is in Australia's mind like no no somehow she actually has magical chalk yeah like it, it yeah. has clear 
things. Now there's some like the the blood and uh, there's bits that like other people don't see, but all of these things still have an effect on what's going on. And then it it, it culminates in in how the movie finishes. I would say mm. the only ambiguous thing, and then what kind of throws stuff into another realm is how the movie itself like actually ends and then leaves things in a state of like it's a bit vague but it's fairy tale like i guess so it it ends it it wraps up fairly neatly but you can you can use it um uh in an allegorical fashion too Mm. so it, it doesn't matter as much if the fairy tale aspects were real or not just how how it plays out um but if they are it makes the ending a little weirder you'll have to watch it and kind of like under i I can't i don't want to like spoil that part of it so yeah Uh, i'm definitely gonna watch that part and then (laughs) like and listeners um, if you have an opinion (laughs) on why how this wrapped up um let me know Mm -hmm. because it's it's a very specific ending that I think can be read several different ways. So yeah, it's yeah. my, my, I, I, my consensus is like, this is a top tier. like really, really love this movie. And I've been sitting mm-hmm. on it for, I think maybe almost a year. It's been on shutter for quite oh, a while. Wow. So I watched this on shutter. Yeah. It's, it's been sitting there on the, on the to watch list. And I was like, well, you know what? It has ghosts. I'll watch it. And I, <laughs> it turns into the, I would watch this again. Like I said, the, the the subject matter is harder to to watch, but once you know what's happening, like it's not a surprise. Mm-hmm. You can just kind of yeah. fairy tales aren't um they're they're sort of moral stories on, on some mm. fronts, and yeah. yeah, when even when they're bad, uh, that information is still like good. Like right. it's good mm. good to know, yeah. and it's good to draw attention to these um these uh societal problems you know that that's what this is doing mm. um yeah definitely so this this sits in there kind of also with um like say uh train to busan where it's it's mm. it's not just like that's not just about zombies that's social issues um, yeah. heavily heavily yeah. um this this is like not wearing that aspect on um it's not hiding it it's it's on its sleeve it, you cannot miss <laughs> that commentary because it's it's <laughs> the movie it is the plot of the film that just happens yeah. to have a fairy tale spin on it um i did like the way that the ghosts are portrayed they're a little different um because they're not they're overt um only in a fashion like toward estrella and they're not um they're not resonant to the rest of the cast um ex- with the exception of a few instances like i said that i just left out because they're they're good moments mm-hmm. um yeah but yeah this this like this is a very very good film uh the the, the production's good the cg is good it's not overused the practical effects for the ghosts are good um mm. Yeah, and it's, just, it's the the cast. It's it's young kids, so this uh, they're they're relatable. Um, they they do their job very well. Um, you don't feel like they're acting. 
which is like the hallmark of it. Mm -hmm. Like any time that you can watch this and just be like, you're absorbed in the setting. So there's no sense of um, being pulled out of it, which is very important if you're doing like something with uh, having fairy tale rules, which, right. which, mm -hmm. which can be hit or miss. But yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the long and short of it is the ghosts are good. Um, they are, they, they could have been more present, but it's better that they weren't. They're like they're to take a sort of backseat to um, Estrella and her mm. her journey. Um, I will say that the important part uh, about the crests or the the cresting on her dress uh, is that her mother was telling her. I mean, she, she, they they like to tell fairy tales to each other, or the mother tells them to her daughter, and her daughter um, is talking about like. Um, being a princess or like that ideal um be just because she's a girl and then her her mother is telling her um no you don't need to be a princess um because our family we're uh we're warriors like you grow up and you'll be a warrior instead mm. like that's way better because then you can sit you can save other people and you can save yourself like you don't right. need yeah. outside things to help you um mm. And that, and that's what that crest like. It keeps getting repeated later throughout the film, um, because it keeps telling it's the ghost and her mother telling her to like embrace that aspect of herself, um, take charge of her own fate, uh, and, and and that's just something that's with that that's in her blood because that's literally what's <laughs> what it's showing with the like the blood trails. So yeah. that that part is also like really really good. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we'll that's see. tigers are not afraid, and there was a tiger. It did show up. Yeah, so I will spoil that. And bit. it was not afraid. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Cameron, I am terribly sorry. Remind me oh, of the title boy. of your your film once again. Uh, let me remind myself. Uh, train of the Dead. My there we go. Train of Death, but no, I, this is Train of the Dead. And I kept saying ghost train in my mind. Um, oh, me too. <laughs> it's what it is. <laughs> um, uh, get ready for uh, ghost train versus ghost ship um, uh, hitting theaters in 2025. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. That was Train of the Dead and Tigers Are Not Afraid. And finally, to wrap this episode up, I am once again uh, going to talk about the vast of night. I must, um, however, uh, give a bit of a disclaimer. Uh, the vast of night is a incredibly easy to summarize film. Um, so I, my summary will actually be rather short. Um, and will be truncated because uh, the biggest thing with this film is the ending, which I will not be spoiling on the podcast, because if you mm. have not seen it, I highly recommend that you do. It is an Amazon Prime original, so if you uh, do happen to be an Amazon Prime member, you can watch it for free right now. Um <laughs> So let's talk about, uh, let's get into uh, The Vast of Night. I'm going to start with some production details. Uh, as I mentioned, it's a 2019 uh, science fi fiction mystery film directed by Andrew Patterson. 
Uh, it saw uh, stars Sierra McCormick and Jake Horowitz. Uh, the film itself was written by Patterson under the pseudonym James Montague. And uh, Craig, uh, along with uh, Craig W. Uh, Sanger. Uh, the film is set in 1950s New Mexico. Uh, Mexico. Mexico. That sounds like a bad musical that tried to get off the ground in like the late 80s. Let's try that again. New Mexico, <laughs> um, where a, a young switchboard operator and a radio disc jockey discover a mysterious audio frequency that could be extraterrestrial in origin. Um, the uh, film's plot is said to be loosely based on the Kecksburg UFO incident, which I actually do have pulled up on uh, Wikipedia. Uh, the Kecksburg uh, UFO incident occurred on December 9th, 1965 at Kecksburg, uh, Kecksburg Pennsylvania. Uh, when a fireball was reported by citizens of six U.S. states and Canada over Detroit, Michigan, and Windsor, Canada. Uh, astronomers said that it was likely a meteor boloid burning up in the atmosphere and descending at a steep angle. Uh, mm -hmm. In 19, or 19, 19, in 2005, NASA uh, released a statement reporting that experts had examined fag fragments from the area and determined that they were from a Soviet satellite. Mm. Interesting. A uh, few notes on uh, Andrew Patterson. Um, uh, he registered uh, the script with the Writers Guild of America under the pseudonym of uh, James Monahue, who is also listed as a producer. Uh, Patterson also financed the film himself with earning, uh, earnings from uh, his work, uh, producing commercials and shorts for the Oklahoma City Thunder and other companies. The film uh, was shot over the course of three to four weeks at a cost of $700,000. Uh, and Patterson spent a year editing the film. Uh, the film was shot in Whitney, Texas during the fall of 2016. Uh, in September, the town was selected after looking uh, through many towns to find one with just the right gymnasium. In, uh, and in order to get uh, period details correct, the production team removed the three-point line from the basketball court at a cost of two uh twenty thousand dollars um and mm. actually found functional switchboards for uh all of the sequence involving those mm. um that's just a little bit of background because once again as as i mentioned this is going to be a a, a rather short um, summary of the film and I am uh, deliberately leaving out quite a bit of detail because um, mm. the big thing with this film is is cinematography uh, setting cinematography it's got some really fantastic sound design and uh, and tone it is it is a character piece through and through um, so um, I will I will uh, be avoiding any any major detail yeah, yeah. All right, so 
surprisingly enough, the film starts with a framing device. Um, an old, uh, uh, the camera pushes in on a re old retros 50 uh, style uh, television uh, as a very familiar Twilight Zone-esque narration begins because this uh, story is taking place in the Paradox Theater, this fictional, once again, Twilight Zone night gallery um, mm. uh, anthology uh, series, assumedly. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, in... Uh, in uh, can... can mm. Cayuga, New Mexico, uh, teenage uh, disc jockey Everett uh, helps uh, prepare for his high school's basketball game uh, and uh, uh, encounters Faye, a teenage switchboard operator uh, who has recently purchased a um, tape recorder and uh, has brought it to Everett uh, uh, to show her uh, the ropes of using it, since he is the big radio man that knows how audio equipment works. Um, he immediately asks her what she's recorded, and she says nothing, uh, to which he says, well, what's the point in, in buying a tape recorder if you're not going to use it? She says that she was afraid of breaking it. They have this really lovely exchange as he walks her from the gymnasium to, um, to the switchboard office. Uh, and encounter people heading to the game. Uh, he gets her to ask questions, be a little field reporter. It's it's really charming. Uh, she they eventually uh, make it to uh, the the phone company uh, office uh, where she begins um, connecting calls mm -hmm. um, while listening to Everett's um, broadcast. However. At the beginning of the broadcast, uh, a very odd sound interrupts it, comes over uh, her radio, and um, uh, cuts out a bit of the broadcast. She then receives a call uh, from a woman that uh, is distressed. She's talking about uh, high winds and uh, a sound, and the same sound is coming through uh, the telephone from the caller she uh Faye then uh decides to call Everett and and tell him about the noise he says that the noise wasn't uh produced in, in at the station and to play it back for him uh she does and he says that it's unlike anything that he's ever heard and then proceeds to broadcast it over the radio asking for listeners to um, give the, him a heads up as to what the sound uh, could possibly mm. be. Uh, he received, Faye, uh, Faye receives a call from uh, a man known as Billy, who she patches directly to Everett uh, live on the air. And Billy tells them that he used to work for the military and that he and many other uh, men would be selected for secret missions where they were loaded into vans with black windows, uh, flown on planes to locations that they were unsure of, and uh, told to build an under underground bunker for a mysterious object 
that they were never allowed to see. Um, mm -hmm. He then recounts that uh, as they ended the build and left the site, that the same sound that Faye uh, and Everett have heard over the radio and the phone was broadcast over the military planes radio as they left the area. He's uh, Billy is disconnected for for a little bit as uh, reports start coming in of of uh, bizarre windstorms and lights in the sky. Uh, uh, Billy is uh, reconnected with Everett and Faye, where he reveals that all of the personnel chosen for these projects were African-American or Mexican to ensure mm. that it was less likely that they would be believed uh, by the public um, if they recounted their stories. Uh, but uh, the reason that Billy is, is, is telling his story now is because he has developed lung cancer. In fact, Almost everybody who worked on those projects have this uh, have have been stricken with some long form disease. Uh, he doesn't mm -hmm. have much time left, so he wants to reveal it. Um, Faye then discovers that uh, a friend of Billy's had sent uh, recordings of the sound to uh, numerous personnel in the military, including a dece uh, deceased uh, Air Force general that happened to live in uh, Cayuga, whose t uh, audio tapes were donated to the library. Faye breaks into the library, steals the tapes, takes them to uh, the radio station, and lo and behold, the tape once again has the sound playing on as as they uh, listen to the sound on their tape player, the, all the power to the radio station is is cut, and Faye begins uh, ha races back to the switchboard, and once again uh, it's all lighting up because all of these reports of of strange lights, strange winds, so on and so forth are are occurring. And finally, uh, uh, an elderly woman named Mabel calls in and uh, tells them that if they can come to her home, that she will possibly give them an explanation as to what is going on. And that is where I'm ending the synopsis for this film. <laughs> well, you've gone and got me intrigued. I'm going to have to watch it. What's the signal? What's the signal? <laughs> it's it's really good. It is a very very and this is this is a debut directorial outing for um, Patterson. This is his first mm. film, and it is it is incredibly uh, impressive. I think uh, the only thing from the Wikipedia page that I do want to read um, is. Uh, about a, a really fantastically done sequence about halfway through the film. Mm. Uh, let's see. Variety's Amy Nicholson praised the film as charming and inventive. At the midpoint, Patterson wows with a tracking shot that seems to race half a mile down a quiet street, take a left hook through a parking lot, sprint through an ongoing basketball game, zip up the crowded bleachers before plunging out of a window. It's 
effective <laughs> razzle dazzle that will probably get uh the young Oklahomian hired to make something twenty times the Bast of Knights budget. Um yes, it is it is it is it's not completely a oneer. Um there I mm. I I can see the drop out of the window is is the is is a clear cut, uh clear a pretty clear cut. Um, but it up until then it 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 is a shockingly um effective, incredibly eerie wonder um of of seemingly this invisible presence, which I, I interpreted as the uh the sound um of the the signal like kind of traveling through the town and it's it's really impressive there's like a little bit of the um like evil dead dead eye demon uh motif going on with with the shot mm. it's not it's not from any actual person's point of view but it is it is stunningly effective um the performances are all fantastic this is i this is a, a bottle movie like through and through there are like four locations like indoor locations max in the film mm-hmm. and a handful of actors and it is a r- really tight um suspenseful legitimately yeah. well crafted um science fiction mystery that i really really hope that uh people uh take the time to watch it's an hour and a half it's a quick watch um and i think you would enjoy it and that is what i have to say about the vast of night mm-hmm. all right good work everyone Chimera, yeah. Chimera, Chimera uh, <laughs> has been successful. So let's wrap up and start with the admin. Dave, where can uh, people reach us? Like all of us all together all the time. Uh, monster dear monster <laughs> at gmail.com if you need to send us one particular thing alternatively we are also our our, our twitter um handle would be at mon underscore d monster those mm-hmm. will be in the notes and our fabulously named website monster dot monster we are on <laughs> all of those places all the time we're ne- we never sleep because we're we fill the globe with our presence and one of us <laughs> is always awake. Right. <laughs> yes. That is that is about right. <laughs> and Dave, where can people find you specifically on the internet? If ghosts need to track me down, I am on Twitter at sentinut underscore plus because we know they are in all of our in the, they are in the wires. Ghosts are electric. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Cameron, where can people find you online? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at night underscore Twitten. That's night without a K. Uh, come chill, relax, have a chat. Uh, I'm tweeting my usual mix of 
a bunch of worldly goings-ons, uh, some photos from my recent holiday, and stuff to do with cats and video games, because cats and video games are good and and sorely needed in these times. Yes, agreed. And you can find me, dear listeners, uh, on Twitter as well, at Dr. Faust is dead. You can also find uh, my uh, artistic offerings on YouTube, where I am a, a very uh, part-time video essayist uh, who covers uh, narratives and themes in video games that I really, really like. Uh, you can find me uh, on YouTube by uh, searching Dr. Faust is Dead. I'm literally the only one on on the channel, although there is another Dr. Faust that I think does like hot sauce reviews or something like that. Uh, <laughs> or better yet, not Dr. Faust, but just Faust. Uh, but anyway, mm. you, can, uh, you can check out my uh, work there. Um, as many of you uh, longtime listeners may know, I am still in the process of, of finishing up my next video essay, Greece, A Beautiful Sorrow, which I am striving to have done before the end of the month. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, once again, it is, uh, it is worth mentioning that uh, we do really love uh, engagement. And if you want to communicate with us, we, we, we implore you to send us emails because um, mm, please uh, do. We, we love interacting with, with you fine, fine people out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, I think we're going to pull the curtain on Chimera Cast. Chimera Cast. Chimera Cast. Mmm. Spooky. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. For joining us for this episode of Monster Dear Monster. I hope you enjoyed the show. And this is us signing off. Bye-bye. Bye, y'all. Ciao.